At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedrico and Daniel Coca. Hello, welcome to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. We are speaking with Shelon Hutchinson today, also known as Hutch the Marine Investor. Hutch is a master sergeant in the United States Marine Corps and the co-founder of H Squared Capital, which is a real estate investment firm bringing retired service members together with high net worth individuals to invest in apartments through the syndication model. In our episode, in our conversation, Hutch shares the unique and important work that he's doing to educate veterans, provide them with investment opportunities, and give back through nonprofit organizations. He also shares some beautiful advice for anyone who's looking to get started as a multifamily investor. We talk about the unique financial situation that veterans find themselves in and how he is empowering veterans to invest. And he also talks about his experience investing during the Great Recession and how he got started. I find his unique viewpoint so valuable for any investor, passive or active, because it shows that with the right mindset and attitude, it is possible to build the business, the portfolio, or the life that you want, even when you're starting from scratch. Hutch, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's great to speak to you. I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story and the why behind real estate and the meaningful aspect of, of what you're doing, working, working with veterans. And, you know, why don't we start with, with really like, why, why did you get into real estate and, and why are you doing what you're doing? Oh man. So this is going to be a really tricky kind of awkward one. Cause my wife is sitting right across the way. Right. Usually the wife and kids, they usually wait while I record podcasts, but we'll see how this one goes. Should be really interesting. You know, so whatever I say here, of course, I have to back it up. Right. And, you know, when you're involved in a relationship with a life partner, but a person you choose to spend the rest of your life with, the things you talk about, about the future, it has to be exciting. Right. Mm. You know, so as far as when you talk about the why, the why I got into real estate is I needed to fulfill a passion after I retired from the Marine Corps. You know, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. When I came to the, when I came to America in 1998, my dad was here for a few years before before I came over came over um, from Jamaica, and he was listening to these culture and sheets cassettes, right? So he was super fascinated about real estate. It's, you know, so he tell me, you know, you come to this country, there's tons of opportunity, but one of the opportunities that you probably should consider taking advantage of is owning some or more of America. You know, so 
it was teaching me as as you learn about you know finding distressed properties and you know sending mail outs to 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 owners none of which I ever did right <laughs> until way way later and this is something that I tell my children right that you will do something when it becomes important to you right and never before then so no matter how people preach on you you should do this you should, you should do that you will not take the actions until that task is important to you you know so but i understand i understand the importance of owning real estate you know so early in my marriage um athena and i we got approved for ninety thousand dollars and was living in hawaii so that could not afford a, a property in hawaii you know but i could have bought that could not afford a single family property single family home in, in hawaii but i could have bought a condo little did i know but my paradigm was that of a single family homeowner, you know, so I took no action until it was in 2005 that we bought, we purchased our first condo, we would have thought, and we made a significant amount of money within, within six months. And from then we were hooked, hooked. We used the money to buy a live-in flip and a couple more and buy and hold from there. And in 2017 is when we actually started flipping properties down in Pensacola, Florida with the with the goal of transitioning into multifamily properties, right? And the overall goal is, look, when I retire from the Marine Corps, I want to have something that I'm passionate about. But the more I learn, the more I realize that the greater impact that multifamily can create. So I want to say just, just a couple of things when, when you said about when it, when it becomes important to you, I also thought about that saying that, that necessity is, is the mother of invention in a way. Right. And I actually thought about my husband, Andrew, he will do laundry when he no longer has clean underwear because <laughs> you only when it's really important to you, will you do the thing, <laughs> you know? So, so it kind of made me think about, it kind of made me think about that. It's not exactly the same, but I understand because I find too in real estate, when you're getting started, there's so much, I think now maybe a lot more than in 2005, but there's a lot of information and there's a lot of interest and there's a little bit of that sense of, of FOMO of missing out and where do I start and, and, and where do I go? And, and so I think getting that start and doing it at the right time, because also buying a condo in 2005 and being able to sell it within six months, I also wanted to ask you, from that point forward, given that only a few years later, we had the, the, the great financial crisis with housing, the timing of that was, was really interesting because a lot of people I've spoken to <laughs> said that they lost money. So what, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was that period like for you? So one of the cool things about being in the military, right, is that we are pretty much isolated from a lot of these economical constraints that, that, that a lot of civilians go, th go through because we get a, Uncle Sam is always going to pay us, right? The government, is, I won't say always, usually, there's not an issue with us getting paid. But it's really, really cool that you asked that story because what happened is that we bought a condo for 161000 and within six months, so I, I bought it with a VA loan and then I had to leave for deployment. And after we was through some cleaning, changing the changing the sliding sliding the closet doors and a couple of different things, but, but by the time we got ready to move into it, it was time for me to deploy. So we put a renter in the house for five months, and before I came back in six months, Athena sold the property we bought for one hundred sixty-one thousand for um, a little bit over 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 two hundred and thirty thousand, right? So in a very short timeline, we rolled up money into a living, and that was in the end of two thousand five. Right, and then by 2009, when it came time for us to leave and live to leave Hawaii, I got orders to leave. It cost me fifty-five thousand dollars to sell that house. 
you know, so it's right around the time when the downturn happened, you know, so, you know, to your point, you lose, definitely some folks lose money in that um, time period. Now, what was fortunate for us right around that time in the move is President Obama had extended the homeowners, homeowners assistant program to service members who were moving in the, down, in, in the market that, that was downturn. downturn. You know, so I was able to recoup about forty-three thousand off the money back. You know, so I had thirty grand in limited savings and also in in, in the stock market. So I had to cash all that stuff out, took out a twenty thousand dollar loan. You know, so when that money came back, I was able to pay some of those off and also set up our finances. You know, so we lost short term, but we was able to to gain it back. Sounds like you like like you just. You didn't stop. You didn't give up. You kept, you kept going, which, which of course is also really important, right? Like you win some, you lose some, right? but you have to keep going. And now you're doing multifamily. So why don't, I would love to hear like how, what was the thought process that you had from going from single family, like condo to single family, you know, just like, I guess like a home flip into multifamily, like what, what made you feel ready to do that? And what were some of the factors that went into that decision? Yeah, so I like to go back to my childhood, right? I was very fortunate growing up in a very free environment. That is not always great, right? Because that's how a lot of kids go astray. But I was fortunate to have a lot of cousins around me. But what we did not have, we did not have a lot of adults imposing their beliefs on us, right? And imposing their limitation on us. So growing up, there was really no limit to the things that I could achieve. So, So as I grew and I look back now, I saw that my life was a gradual progression because I was not constrained. I was not placed in a bubble, right? You know, so as I learned live and flip, buying small, buy and hold, so on and so forth, I always hungry to see what else can I achieve, right? Because this, I don't believe there was a limitation placed on me, you know? So in 2017, when we started doing flips, I was doing this major renovation on a property down in, down in Florida. And one of my, my real estate agent came to me and said, Hutch, I have this 55 units. Would you mind taking a look at it? Like bet that's exactly where we're trying to go. You know, so we analyzed the property utilizing the bigger pocket calculator, right? So we analyzed the property numbers make sense. Went to, went to meet the owner with my broker and, you know, this would have been a freaking steal, but he let us know that there's some construction issue. And when we did some analysis of the, what it would take to renovate this property, the deal no longer makes sense. So we walk away. Right. But just that taste of what is possible right now, I wanted more. But one of the things that I learned in the process is that I needed to learn, I need to develop or identify a better way of analyzing the underwriting these property and did some online search, also joined an accountability um, group, a mastermind. And that led me to the Michael Blanc deal maker. Then I find out he was having a, a conference out in Dallas and, and when we joined, you know, so for me, it was just an, a growth. It was just growth for me and, you know, surround myself with the right people. And my, I guess my thought process, intuition, attract the, the right people towards me. And, uh, you know, we aligned with the path that I, was, that I wanted to go on. And, and what were the factors? I'm, I'm really curious. Like it, it, I was going to ask you, how much was the building, the 55 unit back then? Because we, we all know what prices are right now for things. But what were the things that were, were a deal breaker? Like what, when you were doing the analysis, what made the deal no longer make sense? 
So I couldn't go into detail, but it's a safety issue. So, oh, <laughs> um, like life safety? Yes, I would say life safety, but it has a potential to, you have the potential to accept some liabilities if we have purchased okay. it. And that's, that is not something that I wanted to do on our first deal. And in order to fix those potential liability, it would cost us almost the, almost the amount we purchased in the property for. So we purchased the property for a little bit of a 2.5, 2.57, I think it was, a million. Um, it was advertised for. Right and and also come with an acre that we could, we could also develop, right? So it was a sweet deal, but when you look at it, we had to redo almost the entire interior of the property. It would be just like create having a new build, you know. So if that was the case, if we was going to do a new build, we might as well buy the land. It was cheap in Florida and do a new build, and that's not something we was willing to do. We're saying. So that's about that fi- that's about like fifty thousand dollars a door, roughly. Right, it's not that expensive. Right now, the properties were significantly more than that. <laughs> but yeah, but at that time, you wouldn't really have. It wouldn't have made sense at that time to spend the same amount of money to re to rebuild it. To your point, because right now, when we talk about this internally too at, at Alpha and and with 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 our sponsor partners, is the cost to build new. I mean considering permits and all of that, but then the cost to renovate. And so with multifamily, it's not always, it's not always so clear cut, I think with, with the returns. So, and it's about timing because at that time it probably, you know, it probably didn't make sense. And today in, in different market environments, it might be a different, it might be a different decision, but that got your feet wet, right? Absolutely. And what was, also very interesting is that we I was a part of a network of, of um, flippers and buy and hold and also had some passive investor in the group as well and a lot of them approached me and said Hutch if you can get this deal on the contract right we will we're willing to invest with you and man that blew my freaking mind right because we're going from using my own money to flip my own money and hard money to flip properties you know to people are now look at me as a credible individual that they're willing to put their, not necessarily their life savings, but their own capital in to, so, so we can grow their capital. And I find that to be very fascinating and that further fueled my fire to, to, to grow bigger. Right. Let, let me ask you a, a question that someone asked me recently. I, I didn't know the answer to it. We invest primarily with you know, very large institutional operators, you know, billion dollar plus portfolios. And I was having a conversation with an investor who said to me, like, how does a, a new guy, you know, someone who just got started, someone who's trying to figure it out on their own, how do they get your attention? And it kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit because I said, I don't, I don't really know. Right. And, and I thought, well, maybe they spend time, you know, doing one thing and then growing. And then maybe we talk to them, you know, five, seven, 10 years down the road. And, but, but I think it's a really interesting question because, you know, real estate investing makes sense you know, whether you're doing it in a million dollar building or a hundred million dollar building, it can at least. And so how do you, how do you think about that question? If someone came to you and said, I want to get started, I want to want to be a real estate professional, but I don't have any track record. How, how do I do it? What's step one? Step one is to find people that looks like you, right? And when I say that, I'm not talking about your physical features, Right. A lot of us, when we start talking to people, we will identify that a lot of us, we are aspiring for the same thing. We want to improve the trajectory of our bloodline. Right. And a lot of time when you find people that, that maybe one or two steps above you. Right. And it's not so overwhelming 
to to mirror their track record. Not only that is they're building a track, they're building a track record as well, and they might have a small track record. So for us, Hwood Capital, what we did, we aligned ourselves with a few um, reputable folks in the in the multifamily space. And what we did, they serve as advisors on our, on our on our team. So whenever we speak to a broker or whenever we speak to a lender, we can talk, we can speak to the track record of our advisor. But as an individual, myself being 23 years in the Marine Corps and also my, my business partner who's, who's a research scientist for the Army, right? There's some things to be said about a higher level education and also, you know, 20 plus years, years of service, you know, so that has a little bit of credibility, not so much in the, in the multifamily space, but also, but in the, in the, in the character development or identify people with good character. I believe that speaks some volume, you know, so be a person of good character and surround yourself with, a, with, with others who have the track record, who is willing to, to advise you on the best path to be good stewards of people's capital. I love that. We always say that we feel the same way about being good stewards of, of people's capital. And what you were saying before about how you were fascinated of that people would say, here's my money, you can you know do something with it really speaks to the trust that people will have in you, which, which is also a really huge responsibility as well as, as a compliment. And so I think the word like stewardship of capital is, is, is the right word. So thanks right. for, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. And, and you're right. It, it's Dan, that's a, such a good question, right? It's like, everyone's <laughs> like, how do you get, how do you get started? And I, I, one of the things that I found when I got started in real estate was also people in this industry, especially in syndication are so generous and they, and they want to see other people succeed. I mean, I know there's, there's competition, but I, I feel like that the, the, there's a real community that's willing to help one another and help others grow because as you go on in time, you might do deals together and it all comes back, you know, it all comes back around. And so Hutch, one of the things like speaking about coming back around and, and giving back, I would love to talk about what you're doing specifically with and for veterans, because when we were chatting uh, before hitting record, you, you and Daniel, you were talking about doing a, a certain kind of housing for veterans. That's not something I've ever heard about. So I would love for you to talk about the deal structure and also the why, like the big heart that you have behind <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. So the, what we're doing for the veterans, I don't believe it's on a grand scale yet. And maybe because um, of the resources that we have access to right now. So right now, our focus to, is to educate veterans on how they can leverage their later money into creating cash flow and also taking advantage of their or making their retirement funds more predictable, right, through passive income, through real estate. Now, one of the things that we that H Square Capital is doing for the deal for the deals that we sponsor is we're allowing veterans to come in at a lower threshold than everyone else, right? So right now for veterans, they can, they, they can join our deals at a $35,000 um, minimum investment. And the reason for that is when I speak to my, my friends who have retired and a couple of the folks who, who we met through a network, $30,000, dollars $35,000 seem to be the threshold that they're comfortable investing. But of course, it's up to Heath and I to really talk to each, each investor to identify the risk capacity and the risk, the risk tolerance, of course, right? To ensure that this is not their last saved capital. You know, so additionally, what, what we're doing is that after we close on a property, 
10% of all our acquisition goes to a nonprofit organization that benefits our veteran. As we grow our portfolio and grow our income and acquisition fees, that will transition into where this capital is used to, instead of donating to a nonprofit organization, this capital would, would be used to directly offset the living expenses, uh, more so the rent of a veterans, our veterans in our complex that we have properly vetted, right? And the idea is to get them on a pathway. That's amazing. That's yeah. such a, that's such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful initiative of that, that giving, that giving back. It's like a tithing, but out of the, the cat, like the corporate, I guess corporate's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like the company structure, but there's the, and there's also something, maybe we can talk about the technicality of maybe it's around the way um, veterans are, are paid and how maybe when you're looking at housing that is for veterans, is, is that structured differently? Is there a different way to understand? to write that than the normal, let's say, multifamily? I don't believe so. Not what we want to do, because what would happen instead of us giving our capital to a nonprofit organization, we would cre- we will create the nonprofit, right? And that nonprofit will be used to offset their deal. So it will not take away from our investors' um, return on investment. Okay, yeah. So they they have okay. So it's it's like a normal multifamily, but there's Correct. there's more of a is it more like a guaranteed payment or an understanding because of the government payments? So it will be it will be a nonprofit organization that all we do is identify a veteran or a veteran with family, right? Who's on, who has a, a vision of where they want to go. And we will we'll provide them temporary housing that is paid for by the nonprofit organization. And maybe we need to pay for some counseling or some other things mm-hmm. um, to get them on a pathway to back in the fight, find a job, being able to sustain the family and sustain their lifestyle. Right. Right, that, right. that would be separate from the capital raised from any one of our investments. Got it. And are you still targeting Florida? I know you have a deal in, in Georgia as well right now. Right. So right now, the teams that, we, that we're working with, we just closed on our property. It's 104 units in Augusta, Georgia, and it's a B-class property in an A-class area. And I think it's the property, property will perform well. Right. So Augusta is where we're getting a lot of traction right now. We've got about about 200 and a little bit over 200 units there um, in Augusta. Okay. And okay. So you're focused on 300. 300. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And are you able to find properties through your relationships like off market or, you know, what, what kind of relationships have you established in, you know, within your, within your network? Right. So the guys that we work on this project with the 104 units is these guys, we, we, we've been network, networking with them um, since 2019. Right. So we have known, get to know, like, and trust these guys, um, this team, and we have followed their track record. Right. And they're doing this thing full time. Heath and I, I'm still active in the Marine Corps. Heath is this, the Army doing, doing um, auditory research, you know, so. Being able to find an off-market property is going to be a little bit challenging for us. And the day-to-day property management will be a little bit challenging for us. So our focus is, you know, building those, building those relationships with active investors who are on the ground and also passive investors. Now, one of the things on the backside we'll be, we'll be committed to doing is our own investor relations, right, to, to ensure that our investors are, are taken care of. 
Do you, do you see yourself with maybe ever offering coaching to some of the veterans when you said, get them back in the fight, but like coaching them into being real estate investors as, as like showing them that option instead of you know, maybe going back into the workforce in, in a more traditional way. I could really see you being a really great, like real estate coach to veterans to really show them the way, show them that there's a different way to live where it doesn't have to be a traditional type of a job. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I'm responsible right now for over 200 Marines, right? And wow. as they, as especially as they get closer to their end of their contract, these are things that I'm talking to them, talking to them about. I have to be very cautious with my choice of words, so it doesn't seem as if I'm soliciting um, their business, right? So I have to be very cautious, especially me being a senior rank. I can't get promoted again. There's no E10, E9. Right. So I have to be very cautious with my, my choice of words, but I am sharing this information. I'm sharing good podcasts with them. I'm sharing good books, not only in real estate, but also in, on mindset. And for us to start having a conversation, it starts with me identifying what is the what is most important to them. And once we identify that, then we can take the conversation um, in a direction that I believe they will be successful. And real estate happens to be one of the, one of the paths for a few of them, not all of them because not all of them is willing to, to accept this concept, right? They're still in the traditional way of thinking. But yeah, yes. of course. Yeah, no, I, I could imagine 200 people is a lot. <laughs> that's amazing. I could not manage 200 people. <laughs> so that that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you have, like you said, something really important too about the mindset and recognizing if somebody's ready for it because, you know, being a passive investor is a very different endeavor than being the GP or being, being an active endeavor. And so sometimes when I have conversations with, with investors and they say, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, like they're doctors or professionals and they, and they come and they say, oh, you know, I'm thinking about doing some passive investing because first I thought about doing active but I don't know if I want to work that hard because I already have a full-time job. And so, and so I think you have to really want to be the GP and you, and, and it, it, it's a certain type of a personality and it is a certain type of a, of a mindset as well, because I think it requires a lot more resilience because you're yeah. dealing with so many moving parts than being the passive investor receiving quarterly returns. Yes, it's, it's definitely, definitely some work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, well, so on that note, then, you know, cause you mentioned the mindset and I know we've had our own conversations about, you know, intuition and, and understanding people. And one of the things I, I, I really wanted to ask you about was, was on at the level of wealth, right? Our, our podcast is called real wealth, real health. I'm really curious to know when you think about wealth, what does that mean to you? in terms of building wealth, what does that mean to you? You didn't get a headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, not always, but I've been telling folks that I grew up wealthy, but broke, right? So, and to put it into perspective, I grew up on what used to be a slave plantation, right? So direct descendants of slaves. So that all the land that we occupy over there in Jamaica, my family occupied in Jamaica was previously owned by slave owners. My, right, so we had natural. We had a, we had a river that ran through the plantation. We have grown trees, bananas, breadfruit, sugarcane, apples. Just, just a bunch, an abundance of fruits and animals and um, chickens and stuff. Right, you know. So we never. I can't remember in my childhood a day that I was ever 
hungry, right? And everywhere you go, there was laughter, there's a whole bunch of cousins running around. That is really true wealth in that environment. But as you take yourself from, the, from that environment, life becomes a little bit more interesting and also challenging because now you need some, some you need money to really sustain your, your lifestyle. We don't have all the breadfruit trees and sugarcane and all the stuff going around that we can go and pick whenever we want to, right? Or cut whenever we want to, you know? Uh, so it takes money. Now, what I want to do in, as, I, as I grow in, in this space is to leave my children with, with an abundance of knowledge to where they're not placed in a box and the sky's the limit in everything they do. You know, want to help them to, to get a vision of owning a lot more of America, especially if they go into the military and they serve this great country. There's nothing that says you cannot serve this great country and own a lot of this great country. You know, so I think the two goes in hand. So as far as true for me, I probably got a good 60 years to go. But my kids, beyond that, they've probably got a good 80 years, 80 years to go, you know. So having good, true wealth, I believe, is the impact we can, we can make in our immediate circle, right? Which is a, which is a wife and, and wife, husband and children. It starts there, and then the impact we make in the world. And right now, our focus is um, the impact we can make with the veterans. That's beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much for thank you so much for sharing that. I was visualizing that all <laughs> the bananas <laughs> and the sugar cane and all that. So it is it's it's really it's really abundant. It makes me think a lot about when we think about an abundance abundance and, and scarcity and how when I look at nature it's very abundant. I mean, we have an orange tree, even just something as simple as seeing the orange tree or when we had a fig tree like we couldn't eat all the figs. We're always giving them away, right? If you look at nature, there's an overabundance of things. Bees make more honey than they could ever eat. Like it's constant, it's constant abundance. And I feel like scarcity is a human concept and it's not a natural, it's not a natural concept. And it was one of the key things that I understood that really helped me overcome some, some doubts or some negative thinking about my deserving of more abundance or wealth, because I used to think that if I have more than somebody else has less, and that's actually not the case. And it's actually, there's not a, there's not a a limited amount of anything. And, and so I think that's a really beautiful, what what you said, it really made me think about the abundance that is nature and the scarcity that is just a a concept in our mind. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And that, you know, it's, it's always good also to meet other people in the space who do, who have, I would say a positive or a more constructive or productive mindset around this because you become a beacon and a role model to others and they can see that it's possible for them. And I think that's actually how we make the change is, is by, by going out and being it and doing it and representing it and then helping other people change from the mind and then change their actions. And then they go out and do it. So I'm really optimistic, (laughs) positive about the world and meeting, meeting people like you and, and, it, it helps me, it reinforces, it's like my own, my own positivity bias. And I, I get to prove myself right when I bring, <laughs> when I bring guests on to the yeah, show like this. So yeah, I'd love to hear Daniel's perspective in this on podcast also as well. I like to ask questions. <laughs> well, it's funny when we were talking about scarcity in my head, I've been uh, so tied up thinking if you gave out master's tickets, people would sign new leases at this apartment in Augusta. Like, so <laughs> yeah, I've been trying for like a decade 
to get tickets to the master's lottery and I've never gotten them. And that's what's, that was what's actually been on my mind. But that, that, that aside, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, like this, this whole space we work in at the end of the day, it's, it's supply and demand and, and there's different kind of games and nuance that goes into, you know, a specific deal or property or, or strategy or, or what have you, right? But at the end of the day, we're trying to create, you know, more, more supply of a product that people have demand for. And, you know, our perception on what uh, makes an apartment building worth living in or what a good price point is may be very different than, than someone else's. And that's why, you know, local market expertise is, is very, very important, right? You know, you have a much better sense for what the people in, in Augusta, Georgia is, are, are looking for than, than Adapia and I do, right? And so that's just a long way of saying, I, I, I think this whole space is, it's just really interesting. It's part of the reason why, you know, I and, and the rest of the team really transition from, you know, other careers into this world. It's just every single deal is another thing. It's another thing they get excited about and get invested in. And then you've got three, four, five, maybe seven years with that thing. And then, you know, the next thing comes along. So yeah, it's like every project is a relationship. Or, or, an enlist, or, or an enlistment. Or an enlistment. <laughs> or, or, or enlistment is usually about three to four years, um, not three, two to five years long, right? Depends on the level of training. And you know, it's just like buying a property. The whole time is usually three to five years and you move yeah. on to the next. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> well, Hudge, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience um, and your wisdom. And I would, I would just say like your heart with everything that you're doing. I'm really excited about the projects that you're doing and the people that you're bringing into them and the change that you're making in the world. So just thank you for coming on the show and thank you so much for everything that you're doing out in the world. Oh man, greatly appreciate this opportunity and great meeting you too, Daniel. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for taking the time. It's great to have you on. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.